How many of you love Christmas? Like you are excited. You are ready to go. You got your Black Friday shopping done. You're ready. You have whatever is your little thing in your family. You're all set. That's awesome. Well, Christmas is great. I love it too. Uh, I think especially when you know the reason for the season, Christmas is an even more wonderful time. And because we know that Christmas only happens because of Jesus, then we can become intentional about our seasonal discipleship. And that's exactly what Advent gives us the opportunity to do. We get to become intentional about reminding ourselves about the important principles of our faith and the reasons why we have a relationship with Jesus. And that is because he is our hope, he is our joy, he gives us love, and he is our peace. And so this season, as we uh, use the Advent tool to help us with that, we get to focus on these four words that are very important. If you have your Bible, you can open it to Luke chapter 2. We're going to get there in a couple minutes. Um, but Advent is something that's really important. These four things that we're going to study over the next month, they're not only important to our faith, but they're fundamental to every human being. Because as a human living on earth today, these are four things that encapsulate what we need, what we want as a person alive today. We dream about these four things. We hope for these things. We strongly desire these things in our life. And so these words communicate the basic need that not only we need personally, but also every society in the world needs these things. Hope, love, joy, and peace. We all have hopes. We all have desires that we want to be fulfilled in our lifetime. We want to be loved and we want to love someone. We want a life that is full of joy, not pain. We want to live in peace, not fear. But if we search for these things, hope, love, joy, and peace, without God, we will discover that it's very difficult. Because without God, the only way that you can experience hope, love, joy, and peace is to live a perfect life in a perfect world and everything in your life is perfect all the time. How boring would it be if the 49ers won the Super Bowl every single year? I mean, that would be so boring for you. <laughs> but if we're gonna leave God out of the picture, if we leave this baby in a manger out of the picture and we try to experience hope, love, joy, and peace on our own, it's impossible. It's an impossible task. Because we find ways as human beings to make life difficult and challenging and awkward. And so because we can't figure out how to have a perfect life or to create one or to sustain one on our own or as a people, we need Jesus. And so we celebrate Jesus because he brought us a radically different kind of hope, love, joy, and peace. We're in a relationship with Jesus, and these four things are a part of our life when nothing is perfect. 
These things are a part of our life because of who Jesus is. Not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, not because of what we've created in our home or in our government or in our world. It's because of who Jesus is. It's because his presence gives us these four things in a perfect way and in a greater level. See, his presence alone gives us hope and love, joy, and peace. Now, God knows that we have a tendency to try to accomplish these four things on our own. We try to accomplish them through kingdoms and nations and governments that come and go. But as we've discovered, these man-made societies will always fail because we live and govern ourselves without his presence, without his commands to help us. Now, interestingly, this is the world that God, our Father, chose to send his Son into. He chose to send his son into a world that was not perfect, into a government and a nation and a system that would soon fail. But at this time, when God sends Jesus into the world to rescue it, there's a man-made empire that's at its greatest heights. One of our greatest, most powerful empires, the Roman Empire that has ever been on our planet. It had, at this time, conquered a large section, if not all of Europe, all of the Middle East, all of North Africa. Its rule is firm. It looks as if nothing will ever be able to destroy Rome. But we know the story, don't we? We know the end of the story. And the end of the story is that Rome fell apart. Another man-made kingdom that couldn't give its citizens hope, love, joy, and peace. But in a small town, in this vast empire, God would enter our world. He came here to give us what we're incapable of obtaining ourselves, hope. He would give us hope in such a powerful way that even though the world would try in every way that it could, it cannot take it away from a believer. No matter how bad the world gets, no matter how much they persecute you and me, these four things are alive inside of us and are not dependent upon the circumstances around us. That's why the hope, love, joy, and peace that Jesus brings is totally different than any hope, love, or joy, or peace we can manufacture or come up with on our own. Now today, I want us to take a closer look into the hope that Jesus came to give us. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. The first group of people that are chosen to experience God's Son and the hope that he would bring are also the most unlikely to receive it. It's the shepherds. This group of men and probably some boys as well were looking forward to a cold night on a hillside hanging out with some sheep. Doesn't that sound like a great evening? And some angels come to visit them. And they remind them that there's hope in this world. And there will be hope in their lives. And that they personally can be some of the first in the world to see the hope. The hope of Jesus. Let's pray and then we'll look at it together. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true, that it is real, and that it changes our lives. 
I pray that we would leave here this morning understanding the hope of Jesus that is ours in you. And that we would find that the thing that we need at Christmas more than anything else is the gift of Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. All right, look at Luke chapter two, verse one to 20 with me this morning. We're gonna read the Christmas story. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that had been heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This morning, I want us to talk about hope. And the first thing that I want us to understand is this story reminds us that hope was reborn on the first Christmas. On the first Christmas, hope was reborn. Now, there was a, a faint glimmer of hope that was evident in Israel at this time, but it was the hope of a Savior, a Messiah that had been prophesied about in the law and the prophets. Hope was reborn this night, and the shepherds were the first to have it reborn in their hearts. Now, this is important because hope was hard to find in Israel during this time. It was very difficult to find hope in Israel, and there are two primary reasons that hope was hard to find. The first is because God wasn't talking. God had stopped talking. For 400 years, God had stopped talking to his people, the chosen people of Israel. Malachi, if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll see that Malachi is the last 
prophet recorded in the Old Testament. And from the time of Malachi to the time of Jesus coming, nobody hears a word from God. No prophet is raised up. No one hears from the Lord for those 400 years. And so God has essentially gone silent. And when God goes quiet, hope fades away. When God stops talking, hope is hard to find because true hope is only found in him. And so during this time, the Israelites were experiencing a time of hopelessness. Now for them in particular, it was very hopeless because God talked to the Israelites regularly as a part of their heritage. So it was a part of their regular life to have several prophets scattered throughout the nation telling them what God was saying. Even if they didn't like what God was saying, right? Because there was a lot of times in Israel's history where they didn't like what God was saying because they wanted to live without God and the prophet would come along and say, hey, you need to start, you need to get your act together and you need to start living for God. And sometimes they didn't like that. But even if they didn't like what God was saying, at least he was talking, At least he was saying something and you knew he was there and you knew that he was present. But now it's been 400 years and God has not been talking. So it made things hopeless. Now, before God stopped talking, he told the prophets something very special. He told the prophets that a savior would come, that a Messiah would be born and he would rescue you And so when the angels show up and they start talking to Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth and now the shepherds, hope was reborn. The second reason that hope was hard to find is because of the Romans. One of the things that the Romans were really, really good at was snuffing all hope out. When they showed up in your town, they snuffed all all hope of anybody rescuing you out of your mind, out of your heart, and out of your life. Their tyrannical rule, their overpowering army, their swift judgment to kill anyone who opposed them made sure that there was no hope whatsoever that anyone would come and rescue you. And so the shepherds are living in this time when the Romans have conquered their country. They long to be rescued from the Romans. They long to be rescued from this tyrannical rule and the constant taxes that weighed heavily on their lives, and they wanted freedom. But here's what's interesting. They didn't know the kind of freedom that they actually needed. They didn't understand yet that even more important than freedom from tyrannical earthly rule is freedom from ourselves, which they would discover in Jesus. When the angel declared this message, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The shepherds probably had a rush of hope. In every part of their body where there was only hopelessness, now hope has rushed in, rushed into their thoughts, rushed into their hearts, 
There's probably a feeling that's overtaking their body and they can't believe what they have just heard. And the angel says a couple things that would have brought them hope and that hope would have come alive inside of them. Three things in particular. Look at them with me. The first thing that the angel talked about was David. Now this name would have brought hope because they remember all the stories of David. How David slayed a Goliath and rescued them. How David became the great king. How David, uh, when David was king, the, the nation of Israel had peace. When David was king, there was hope in the land. When David was king, there was love and joy in Israel. They would have known that. They would have remembered that. They would have focused on, their mind would have brought back all those stories about what they've heard from their ancestors about how great a king was, David was. They might have remembered that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. They, they would have remembered what the prophets have said that the Messiah would be born in the town of David, the one that they are living right next to, that their home is in. They, they might have recalled Micah 5.2 that says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So the, the name David would have brought hope to them because they would have thought, is this Messiah going to restore Israel to the time like David when we were free and we had hope? The angel also gave two titles to this little baby. This little baby would have two titles. He would actually have many more. But the title, the two titles that the angel told the shepherds about was a savior and that he is the Messiah. Now these two titles were huge for the shepherds because this word savior means a rescuer. It means someone who notices your distress and comes to help. What good news that would have been to the shepherds. That would have been great to know. <coughs> I'll give you a short example. Last night, I was on my way to my daughter's birthday party, birthday dinner, and I got a phone call from my son. And he said, Dad, guess what? I said, what? My car just blew up and I'm on the side of the freeway. And I said, all right, okay, I'm on my way. And he said, oh, good. It's raining and it's kind of crazy out here and I'm glad you're coming. Just the thought that I was coming was good news to him. Now, if I'd have said, well, sucks to be you. <laughs> I mean, right? All hopelessness would have just, oh, come on. Even my dad won't help me. No, that's what dads do. And can I remind you that that's what our dad did. That's what our heavenly father did. When the world was hopeless, he sent hope. He sent Jesus. Now, the term Messiah takes the, term, the title Savior to a whole new level because the Messiah is an even greater term. It's a prophetic term 
Because the word Messiah means chosen one or anointed one. In other words, this is the one. So we've gone from a savior, okay? Sometimes I need a savior to rescue me. If I'm in the middle of the ocean drowning me, I don't care which boat the Coast Guard sends me, and I don't care which man or woman jumps in the ocean to rescue me. It doesn't matter to me at all. But if for some reason there was only one person on the planet that could rescue me in the ocean, I'd want to know that they were coming. And that's what this is talking about, the Messiah. The prophets said the Messiah would come. And the Messiah had a very specific role, a very specific task, and that was to rescue the people from their sin. And so the Messiah is even more important. This title would have made hope leap inside of them because this title would make them leave everything on the hillside and run into town and search for a child wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. See, the angel said there would be a sign to reveal the Savior, the Messiah. And a sign is something noticeable. It's something out of the ordinary that makes something maybe ordinary, obvious, but it's the sign that you need to see that makes it obvious for you. And, and here's the sign that they would be finding the Savior, that they would be finding the Messiah, that they would be finding Jesus. Here's their sign. This baby is going to be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, this is a good sign. Let me tell you why. Because the shepherds have never seen a mother wrap their baby in some cloths by the way, let's not get this confused. This is not clothes. This is cloths. <laughs> I don't know what that means. She ripped up a blanket. She didn't have one because she thought she had time in the next couple days to get prepared. But she's wrapping him in cloths. And she's placed him in a feed trough for animals. So this is a good sign because the shepherds are going, yep, never seen that before. I've never seen a mother wrap their baby in cloths and put it in a feed trough. So it's going to be pretty easy to figure out which baby the Messiah is. So the shepherds, they run through town. They finally get there and they find Jesus wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And can I just be honest? It probably wasn't a silent night. There's cows around, there's sheeps over here, there's people rustling and bustling everywhere. Um, the cows are wondering what's going on, they're mooing to the sheep, the sheep are talking back, there's coyotes howling, it's cold outside. I mean, there, there's all kinds of things happening. It sounds great that it was a silent night, but let's be honest, a baby was just born. It's probably not silent. But here's what I want you to see. Hope came into the world in a very, very humble way. And when Jesus asks you and I to live a humble life, remember, he did it first. He started out in a humble way and he ended in the most humble way, hung on a cross, risen from the dead. 
As we fast forward to the death of Jesus, his resurrection, his ascension back to heaven, we get to understand the power of the hope that he would bring and give away to every person who chooses to believe in him. Because Jesus would give us the hope of freedom. Freedom from our brokenness. And only Jesus can free us from ourselves and from our failures. Only Jesus can give us the hope of heaven. So when you're hopeless and you need hope, that's why Jesus came. That's why we need Jesus. And that's why Christmas is so important to remind us of hope. And that's why all week you're going to light the hope candle. Hopefully you get an opportunity to do this every day, to remind yourself of the hope that Jesus brings. And that hope is exactly what we need in 2021. So we celebrate a very special kind of hope every Christmas. Now, this hope that you and I celebrate was a hope that was reborn 2,000 years ago in Jesus Christ. But we also light this candle to remind ourselves of, an, of, of a hope that was even more powerful, and that is living hope. The hope that you and I have is a living hope, and this living hope is only found in Jesus. You and I can find hope in all kinds of other things, but they're temporary hopes. They don't last forever. A living hope that never dies is only found in Jesus. Let me show you a couple of verses that reveal this to us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Timothy 4.10. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. See, hope can be reborn in us today because the hope Jesus gives is a living hope. It never dies. And a living hope is resident in our hearts every single day because Jesus is in our heart. Living hope is not dependent on our circumstances being perfect. It's not dependent on getting the perfect gift at Christmas. It's only dependent upon our relationship with Jesus Christ and what he accomplished through the cross and the resurrection and his presence that fills our hearts with hope every day. See, living hope in Jesus is so much greater than any hopes that we can possibly have while we are alive here on earth. In fact, putting our hope in anything on earth will disappoint us. It will disappoint us because those things can be taken away and living hope can never be taken away. <coughs> living hope is eternal. It's powerful because it's backed by God the Father himself and lived out through the Holy Spirit. But so many times we try to find our hope in something else, don't we? We put our hope in other things. 
We put our hope in earthly things and they'll disappoint us. If you and I put our hope in the government, we will be disappointed because governments disappoint us because they all grow corrupt at some point. At one point or another, they just turn bad. Why? Because we run them. (laughs) People will disappoint us. If you put all of your hope in a person, you'll you'll be disappointed because none of us are perfect. If you put your hope in me as your pastor, you'll be disappointed sometimes. So you can't put your hope in me. You have to put your hope in Jesus. You can't put your hope in wealth because wealth disappoints because it doesn't give us what we really need. What we really need is true hope, love, joy, and peace. Wealth just complicates everything. Wealth complicates relationships, and in the, in the end, relationships are what we really want and need. Has anybody ever watched any of the five or six families that are on, real wealthy families that are on TV right now? No, probably not, because it's so dumb. And it's so dumb because what you realize is what? All of their wealth has not done a thing for them. It's only complicated every single thing in their life. So you, you might say, I want the wealth of the Kardashians, but watch their TV show. And you'll go, maybe I don't. They don't have any hope. They certainly don't look like a joyful, loving, peaceful family. They just look like they're one complication after another, one pain after another, one horrible situation after another. That's not what I want for my family. I know it's not what you want for yours. If we put our hope in all of our wealth, we will be disappointed. By the way, Proverbs tells us never put your hope in wealth because wealth can be gone in an instant. Ask the people who lived during the Depression. Addictions and pleasures of the moment often are something that we cling to, hoping that they will give us hope, and they never do. They only disappoint us. They only destroy. When the high is over, we only feel worse than before. Have you ever hoped in something, but then God gave you something better? That's what happened to the shepherds. They were hoping to be free from the tyrannical rule of the Romans. But in the end, 35 years later, the shepherds learn about Jesus, their Savior, hung on a cross and risen for them. See, freedom from our brokenness is what lasts forever. Freedom from an oppressive nation or oppressive government only lasts till when? The next government. (laughs) We don't want that. See, God's so cool. He wanted to give us a hope that nothing could take away. And nothing that happens while we are here on earth can take away our hope in Jesus. Now, as we conclude this morning, as I try to land this plane... I want to throw down a Christmas challenge for you, for all of us. Let me just throw down a Christmas challenge because the way that we celebrate Christmas in America, I think, can often pull us away from the true meaning of Christmas. It can pull us away from the living hope that Jesus brought mankind. And so I want to encourage you, grab an Advent journal as you leave. Grab a wreath as you leave. Grab some candles. And every day, get into God's Word. Every day, spend some time with Jesus. 
Every day this month, light the candle and remind yourself of the hope, the love, the joy, and the peace that Jesus brought. This, this is not the answer, right? Jesus is the answer. We all know that, right? This is just a reminder. It's to help us. How many of you got the text reminder all throughout the month of November to remind you to read your Bible? The answer wasn't the text on my phone. The answer was God's word. But the text reminded me that I need to get into God's word. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to focus on Jesus' presence this Christmas. Instead of focusing on the presence under the tree and the Christmas characters that don't represent the hope that Jesus brings, let's focus on a new spiritual discipline. The spiritual discipline of Advent that focuses our hearts and our minds on Jesus. Let's choose to be intentional about the living hope Jesus came to give us. Let's read the Bible and discover that hope. Let's listen to hope-filled music about Jesus this Christmas. Let's gather our family and friends around the table and light this candle and talk about the hope that only Jesus can give us. And also, let's give away hope. As you leave, go grab some food items and bring them back because food from the heart is a way that you and I are gonna give hope away. Because there's some people in our community, they're hopeless. And here's what's interesting. They're living in a hopeless state. Their stomach is hopeless and they need a meal, but their heart's hopeless too. And we want to provide the hope in their stomach in the hope that we will eventually get to share Jesus and the hope of Jesus will fill their heart, amen? So let's give away hope this Christmas as well. Now, there's probably a hundred other ways that you could give away hope this Christmas because there's all kinds of things to be involved in in the name of Jesus. I want to encourage you, do food from the heart and do whatever else you can as well. Another way to express hope is grab an ornament and write what you're hopeful for and put it on the tree and do the same each week and, and express your hope and your love and your joy and your peace. And so stop by the table and put some stuff on the tree. Let's fill it to remind ourselves of the hope of Jesus. Now, if you don't have this hope yet, if you don't have this living hope inside of you that Jesus came to bring, I want to encourage you. There's no greater time to believe in Jesus than at Christmas or at Easter. These are the most important times and we, we celebrate Jesus at these times because it's so important. And so I wanna remind you, if you're, if you're in a hopeless place right now, it's because you don't know Jesus or it's because you've lost your focus on him. And so maybe you've been focusing, maybe you've been a believer for a long time, but for whatever reason, you're hopeless right now. I wanna encourage you. What a great opportunity to press into Jesus to get into his presence this year and remind yourself that you have the living hope of Jesus alive in you today. See, the hope of heaven and the hope of our healing is only found in Jesus. So I want to encourage you to choose Jesus and choose hope. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Jesus, 
we give you thanks for this morning. Thank you for an opportunity to understand your living hope in a whole new way. And I pray that you would help us to focus on you this Christmas time. That every single day, we would choose to be in your word. We would choose to be in prayer. We would choose to focus our hearts and our minds and our spirits on you. And Lord, for those in this room or those listening to me online right now, if you're feeling hopeless, I want to encourage you. Reach out to Jesus. He is the hope of the world. And the light that he came to give and to bring will give you hope. So I want to encourage you. If you're hopeless right now, you need Jesus. Believe in him. Trust in him. Hope in him. And you will find exactly what you need for life today. If you've been following Jesus for a long time and you're just in a moment of hopelessness, maybe you don't even know why or what the reasons are, I want to encourage you. Make this Christmas year, Christmas 2021, a year that, you, that the hope is reborn in you, that the living hope of Jesus is reborn in your heart. So just jump in. He'll love you again and receive you again. Just jump back into being in relationship with him. Jesus, we thank you so much that you left heaven and came here. Thank you for the hope that you give us and the hope we get to celebrate all this week. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said, amen. 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 Well, Merry Christmas. Thanks for being here. Always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. Have a great week.